has quit. And so pray it'll get going again. And I'm hoping. But I, I always tell you this. If you think it's hot here, it's a lot worse. Amen. And so thank God one is working. And thank God even more we ain't going to hell. Amen. So we can make it through a service with a half air condition. But I don't know about y'all, but I am an um, air-conditioned, dependent creature myself. And I praise God for them on a regular basis. But um, praise the Lord. But I don't know about you, but I, I really had a good time in my study this week. And God showed me something I ain't never thought about, something I ain't never seen. I hope it's going to speak to you like it spoke to me. It made me understand a lot of the reasons so many in the church that I believe are saved, but you're spiritually unhealthy. It's like you're out of balance and something is not the way it ought to be if you believe the Bible. Now, how many of you believe that the gospel is the power of salvation and God's salvation is a life-changing experience that starts the day you get saved, you become a new creature, and God goes to work in producing in you Christ-likeness to where you are transformed from the world and you are conformed into the image of his son. That's God's plan if you got saved. And so we should be constantly seeing spiritual growth and we should be becoming more spiritual healthy every day, but not all of us are doing that. And I believe it's because we're not living a biblically balanced spiritual life. And I want to talk to us this morning, and you may not ever thought of this, about spiritual balance. I don't know about you, but if you want to have physical health, they tell me you got to eat a balanced diet. You got to eat equal portions of the essential foods that we need to be healthy. If you eat all the wrong stuff, you'll look like me, amen? It ain't always how much you eat, but for a lot of it, it's what you eat and in what proportions you partake. So just like eating healthy and having a balanced physical diet is important for you physically, spiritually you're no different. If you're missing out on spiritual essentials on a regular basis, there's going to be a spiritual deficiency in your life. You're never going to become like God and grow in Christ-likeness and holiness and you're going to remain like everybody else in the world, carnal and sin-sick. But if you want to see God transform you into the creature he gave his son to die on the cross for, I think you ought to listen today. And you know, as we begin to look today, I want you to think about this. Spiritual health requires spiritual balance. You can't just do what you want and say, just because I believed in Jesus and got saved, I'm going to become what I want to be spiritually and what God's will wants to be done in my life. It won't happen. And so I want us to understand what I'm talking about when I'm saying balance today. I ain't talking about walking on a tightrope. Diane always tells me she's afraid I'm going to fall off of this thing. But when I'm talking about balance, I want us to all be thinking the same. I want you to see, if you look up balance in the Webster's Dictionary, it says that balance is a condition in which different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. So what I want you to understand today when I talk to you about spiritual balance, I'm talking about being in a condition to where the different spiritual elements of salvation that's required to be real and true in your life to perform and make a difference to where you'll be spiritually healthy or in the correct proportions. Primarily, what we're going to talk about is repentance and belief in the gospel. 
You've got to have both. We're going to talk about faith and works. You've got to have both. We're going to talk about truth and love. Those are elements that are essential for a healthy life if you're going to be spiritually mature. In fact, you can't even be saved if you don't have repentance and salvation that comes from believing in the gospel. So I want you to look at me as we look this morning, and we're going to read this verse. Jesus didn't just say when he came on the scene, John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for the coming Messiah who would bring to us salvation, prepared the way for the coming of the Lord by a preaching and by a practice of a baptism of repentance. Repentance was the way that he prepared the way. And everywhere he went, people came confessing their sins, it says in a verse above that, and being baptized into a baptism of repentance. He was preparing them for the coming of Jesus. Now, Jesus comes on the scene. Right after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he's saying, the time is fulfilled. I'm here. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. It's right here. So repent and believe in the gospel. But we have a corrupted, we have an easy beliefism that has told people today that all you got to do is believe in Jesus. Believe the gospel without any repentance. And friends, and then they wonder why their life is still out of balance. That their salvation has not done what the Bible says it should do. Friends, listen. Repentance is an essential preparation in preparing you for receiving Jesus. In fact, the gospel is repentance and faith. And I want you to look at this with me. Repent means a change of mind about sin. It's not just that you don't sin anymore. It's a complete change of what you think about sin and how you view sin and how you look at faith. It, it, when you repent, it changes your mind to the point it changes your heart that it begins to change your actions. And friends, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to believe and trust the saving message of Christ. That's what trust is. And just add Jesus onto a sinful life and think it's no, it's okay. The gospel is here not to just be added to our life of sin. It's here to help us be saved and delivered and changed from a life of sin. Now, I want you to look at this. We don't think about this much, but if you will go in your Bible and you look and you check it out, Jesus preached that we are to what? Repent and believe in the gospel. Not believe the gospel. Not to believe that the gospel and understand what it is. We believe the gospel. We believe Jesus died. We believe he was rose from the dead. We believe he died for sin. You can believe that. But to believe in the gospel requires trusting it. It requires putting your faith in it. And that's what he said to do. Repent. And friends, repentance in faith. Repentance without faith is not the gospel. Repentance without faith is not the gospel. You cannot tell me when I'm going to show you what the Jesus taught and what the apostles taught and what the Bible says about sin that you can just believe Jesus saved you and he's going to leave you in all your sin unchanged. Your mind don't even have to... Friends, listen, the first thing happens when the gospel begins to work and the message of Jesus goes out is you begin to agree with God that sin is bad. 
that sin separates you from God, that it hurts God, that it hurts you, that it hurts everyone, and that sin causes death. But friends, listen, faith without repentance is not the gospel either. And I want you to think about this. I've seen it over and over and over. I've seen people who are trying to, that God's dealing with them, and they've told me, I'm going to get saved, Brother Marvin. I was going to come up last week. I believed what you was preaching. I believed Jesus died for me. But I got to get some things straight first. I got to fix some things. You don't know what's going on. My life is not the way it ought to be. Whose is? When will you fix it enough to come to Jesus? But worse than that, they got people that come to Jesus with no intention of changing, no intention of quitting sinning. They just want Jesus to come and add him to a life of worldliness and carnality and not even expect him to be Lord. Now you tell me that's the gospel? And you wonder why the church is just like the world and you wonder why your family ain't no different than your lost neighbor's family because there is a balance, my friend. Repentance without faith will just make you an unsaved religious person trying to quit doing things you ain't supposed to do and trying to start doing things you can't do because you can't repent without Jesus. But Jesus ain't going to save you without a heart willing to repent. And friends, over and over and over, I see in the Scriptures overwhelming evidence that repentance is as much a part of the gospel message as believing in the gospel message. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this twice in the gospel of Luke in the 13th chapter. He said, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You ever thought about that? There were some bad things. A tower fell on some people and killed them all, and they were saying, what all did they do that would allow that tragedy to happen to them? And Jesus said, I know the tower fell on them and killed them all, but... Y'all all going to perish unless you repent. And then it says this. Paul, the apostle of grace, said, For godly sorrow produces repentance. And repentance leads us to salvation. That's what John the Baptist did. He prepared the way by preaching repentance. Turn from your sin. Confess your sin. Prepare your way and make straight the path for the Savior to come to your life. He says, not to be regretted. I don't know about y'all. I'm thankful God made me sorry when I was lost. I'm thankful God made me agree with him that sin is terrible, that sin is a life-ruining thing in our life, that it robs us of all the life that God wants to put in us. You see, but sorrow of the world produces death, and this is what you got. You got the sorrow that produces repentance. That's the sorrow that God says this is wrong, that God says this grieves him, that God says this has come from my rebellious spirit, and because of that, it is separated from me, from God. It has caused me to be at hostility with God, and it's all about, oh no, God, I have been doing this, and it's so wrong, and it's the right kind of sorrow. But the worldly sorrow is this. Man, I don't like what this caused me. I wish I wouldn't have started doing drugs. I wish I wouldn't have had become addicted. I wish my addiction wouldn't have ruined my marriage. And I wish my marriage wouldn't have ruined my family. Oh, all this sin has caused all these consequences. That's godly sorrow. I mean worldly sorrow. To be sorry because you got caught. And because you got caught, it became public. And now you're answering for it. That's sorrow, but the world's full of a world like that. 
Godly sorrow comes from a preaching of the gospel message that there's a kingdom that you can never be part of unless your sin is dealt with. That there's a place called heaven that you'll never see unless you're born again and had a new heart. A heart that is willing to repent. A heart that desires to repent. And a heart that can only happen because you believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus. And he saves you. See, so many of us are out of balance. You just trust in God. Well, he forgave me. Grace is enough. But you don't have any desire to repent. You don't even think you need to until you get caught. So you'll never experience all what salvation has to offer. And so there's a lot of people in the church today, I'm telling you, after pastoring three churches, and I'm even looking at my life, who is way out of balance because I don't have near enough as much repentance as I should. How about you? There's so many things in my life that grieves God, that grieves the Spirit, that quenches what God wants to do in our life, and it hinders God from using us. So guys, I want you to see that today, that There has to be a balance between repentance and belief. But not only did he say that, listen, he says, I say to you that likewise there will be even more joy in heaven over one sinner who gets saved. That's what we always say. Someone got saved today. Praise to God. He received Jesus. And that ain't what Jesus said. Go back and look it up. He said in Luke 15 in three places, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. You know what else he said? He said, I didn't come for the righteous, but I came to bring sinners unto repentance. Friends, Jesus came just as much to give you a gospel to believe in what he did for you, to give you and change you have a heart to do what he wants us to do for him, turn from our sins. But guys, I want you to think of another thing that's totally out of bounds, especially for us Baptists. Faith and works. We hate works because we Baptists. (laughs) Works don't save you, and they don't. But if you get saved, real faith is going to put works in your life. James said this, and everybody gets tore up. The Bible is contradicting itself. No, it's not. It's complimenting itself. James said, what does it profit my brother or my sister if someone says he has faith but he does not have works? Can it save him? Good questions. What does it profit you to say, man, I got faith. I believe Jesus died for me. I've accepted his salvation. But your life doesn't do anything that would be characterized by Jesus' good works. Matter of fact, your life is full of bad works. (laughs) You don't serve Jesus. You don't serve the church. You don't give to God. You just come to God to get. Forgive me. Fix me. Bless me. (laughs) And you don't do anything for God but to believe in him, faith. You see, James says, but do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without any works is dead. It doesn't have any life in it. And friends, listen, I don't know about you, but you get saved, there's going to be a change in your activities. You get born again, the things you used to do ain't going to be what you now do. You're going to see a difference in your works. I want you to look at this. True faith and good works. True faith always produces good works. But good works does not produce true faith. The only way you'll ever get faith, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. 
Some of you go to church, you got a lot of good works, but you don't have nothing to do with the Word of God outside Sunday morning. The only thing the Word of God ever has over you is me. <laughs> you've never read it. You've never become a student of it. You've never been so concerned about your spiritual health that you realized it is the bread of life. It is the primary food source for spiritual health. So you don't know much about the Word because basically the only thing you know about the Word is what preachers have told you. So you only got one chance a week for the Word to do anything to you. So you don't live a life that is built on the foundation of a daily diet of the truth of God's Word. So your faith is all dependent on very, very few things that you can guarantee comes from God's Word. And so your works, you go to church, you do things, you serve the church, but guys, those good works will never grow your faith. They're commendable. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. God showed me this in my shop yesterday. My boy, Jesus is so cool. I said, Lord, I need an illustration. I need to be able to show them this. I don't need to go there yet. And all of a sudden, I said, Lord, I was in James reading all that about faith without works. And God reminded me about the farmer. The farmer's in there. He has the faith to plant a crop. And I had this corn in the back left over from last year. And I went and got this corn. How many of you do believe that the life to make more corn is in this corn? In this seed, God has put the power of life. In this corn, if you do what God says with this corn, will make you a lot more corn. How many of you plan on hunting this year? How many of you need corn? Bait hogs. Gary, I know you won't bake them hogs. You don't catch them all with a dog. But you know what? If I told y'all today, especially you old country boys, you know what? This is some good corn. Someone gave me this is seed corn. This corn is, is guaranteed to mass produce, give you 20-fold. Man, you plant this, it's, I'm going to plant it. You would believe me because you know that's what corn does. And so if I was to tell you, man, I'm going to disc up that back field back there and we're going to have a, a, a church cornfield. And everybody can come pick their corn. We'd feed with it or eat it, whatever. Y'all would say, well, he's, he might be on to something. You wouldn't think I'm totally crazy if I came and dished it up and then I rode it up, went put fertilizer. You see, no matter how much you believe this corn has life that God put in it to produce more life if you're not willing to work and till the ground and cultivate it, plant it, water it, and wait on it. It will never do anything but sit in this bag. But it not only does it matter what you do with your faith, it matters what your faith is in. Because guess what, man? I got some good pennies, man. These are special pennies. And we're also going to plant a money orchard. We're going to grow some money trees. And man, if you plant these pennies, they grow dollars. So how many of you will come help me to plant our orchard? Because we're going to plant these pennies and God's going to take care of all our fight. We're going to get a new air condition next year with our money tree orchard. Have I lost my mind? That's exactly what a bunch of Baptists are doing every single 
you're putting your faith in something that God ain't never said is real. It ain't real. It's not going to do nothing in your life spiritually, but you're waiting on it. You've been listening to them lying TV preachers with that health and wealth. God never promised to make you healthy and keep you healthy. He never promised to make you wealthy and make you rich. He promised that he would come into your life, forgive you of your sin, change you from the carnal, worldly creature that you are, and transform you into conformity to his holy son. He never promised to make you happy, but he did say, I can make you holy. He never said that he would make you prosperous, but he did say, you'll never be without me in your life. But you see, we're looking for things. We're, we're, we got people who believe that if I send this much money, I'm going to get this much return. That ain't what the Bible says. Friends, listen, what do you have your faith in this morning? Because there's a balance, my friend. If you really got saved and you really believe the gospel message, that message and that truth and what it does in your heart is going to begin to produce works. You're going to go to church because you want to go to church. You're going to give because you want to give. You're going to want to read your Bible because you want more faith. And as you read your Bible and faith grows, that faith is going to produce more works. You're going to become more like Jesus. And friends, you can't become more like Jesus if you never pray. You can't become more like God wants you to be if you never study the Scriptures. If you take the easy approach, the wide, broad road approach, you're going to be like the masses. But the road that leads to spiritual life in Christ is the narrow road. And it's difficult to enter in and few go down. And the American church is filled with people whose life is spiritually out of balance. They ain't got this. They don't have that. They got all this faith but no works or they got all these works and no faith. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but you can till dirt. You can plant pennies till Jesus comes back and you ain't going to get no dollars. <laughs> and you can work for the religion of church. Baptist is good religion. I'm proud of Baptist religion. I think it's one of the best ones to get into. But Baptist religion without Jesus will not save you or change you. But if you get Jesus, he's going to put you in a Baptist church because it's Baptist church and serving him and being amongst one another is how he grows you and changes you. You'll never have your faith tested if you stay by yourself. Join a church and see how long it takes you to test your faith <laughs> and find out if you're going to love everybody like Jesus. God puts people in church especially to teach you how to have good works and serve him. So guys, you may think, I don't believe that's true, Brother Marvin. I think grace is all you got to have. And the Bible did say this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But do you all know what verse 10 says? We are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should have anything to brag it. It is a gift of God. But we are now his workmanship. Verse 10, created in Christ Jesus 
to walk in the good works that he prepared for us beforehand. See, if you got saved and he did his work in you and you're his workmanship and he's put his hands to you and he's touched you and you're on the wheel and he's molding you, the potter in the clay, you're going to have good works because he prepared them beforehand, before he ever saved you. You know what he told the church in Philippi? He told the church that I am so thankful for you and for your faith that I pray for you every day because you are, he says, in partakers of grace with me because you are in fellowship of the gospel with me. Therefore, since the first day, I have not quit to pray for you he says and I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you when you entered into the fellowship of the gospel when you partook of grace and were saved he who began a good work in you y'all know this verse will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus but in the next chapter a couple verses down he says this he says so work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you for his good will and his good pleasure. He says God who began a good work in you is going to complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to do his part, but you better work out your salvation with fear and trembling and do your part because he's working in you for his good will and his good pleasure. Friends, it takes works and faith to become what God wants us to be and live a victorious, spiritual, healthy life. You're not going to do it if all your spiritual activity is this morning. You are unhealthy as all get out. You waiting to have a spiritual heart attack at any time. Because I'm telling you now, this world is a wicked place. You got to be healthy to survive spiritually. And friends, listen, this is what he says in Titus. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Friends, listen, if you've believed in Jesus and believed in the gospel, you need to be careful, that Bible says right there, to maintain good works. Do the things that God says are good. If you don't, your faith is going to be limited. But I'm going to show you another one. There's the last element I want us to look at, truth and love. Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus is speaking to them about how we grow. He said he gave us pastors and evangelists and he gave them to us to equip us for the ministry of the saints, to minister to one another. And that we are to what? We are to be growing in unity together to that we mature up. And listen to what he says in this verse. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. How do you grow up into all things till you become like Jesus? You become in him. Not by speaking the truth in love, but by hearing the truth in love. As we speak truth and we speak love and we live truth and we live love, that's how we grow up in all things to become in Christ. And friends, listen, there's a whole lot of people, boy, that they are the protectors of truth. Boy, they telling everybody the truth. They condemning everybody. They the judgmental patrol. Man, when you first get saved, you ever notice, boy, some of them people get saved and all of a sudden they know everything wrong with everybody else. They can judge every other church. They full of truth. But they ain't got no love. And then you got the other ones that's full of love. 
But they ain't got nothing to do with truth. Got to love everybody. Got to accept everybody. You ain't got the right to judge nobody. You ain't got the right to tell nobody what's right and wrong. We got to love everybody. You know what happens if you're all love but no truth or you're all truth with no love? You become real out of balance real quick. I want you to look about this. Truth without love produces legalism and condemnation. You ever been to one of them kind of churches? You don't use the hymn book we use. You don't use the Bible we use. You're going to hell. Do y'all read music out the hymn book or off the wall? Because we holy, we read out the hymn book. Do you have a King James Bible or do you have one of them heathen Bibles? Because we only use that Bible. And if you don't dress like us, and if you don't talk like us, thy and thee and thy God gave thee life for thee, you ain't saved. Legalism ain't all about truth. They ain't got no love. I'm into some of them. I had one wanted me to be their pastor. I said, well, Diane, I said, I think they're a little legalistic. I said, I prayed for God to give me a sign. Next time they call, he said, we wanted to ask you something, Brother Marvin. We notice you're not preaching out of the entirety of the King James Bible. Would it be a problem for you to exclusively only preach out the King James Bible? Yes, it would. Clunk. Because I want to reach people for Jesus. And I don't carry the Bible Paul preached. Neither do they. But I got the word of God. But friends, I'm going to tell you what's even probably worse than that is the majority of the churches that we have in our America today, they're all love and no truth. They'll compromise the truth in a minute to placate to the world, to make the world love them. Who are you to say that you have the right to tell who is sexually moral and who's not? Who are you to judge who can be a leader in the church and who's not? So if you're all love at the cost of compromising truth, it eventually leads to liberalism, carnality, and worldliness. And friends, that's what's going on today. There's an unbalance in the church, in our homes, in our families. Friends, you've got to have an equal balance of truth and an equal balance of love. It's kind of like this. Have you ever, have you ever bought tires, new tires? When you buy new tires, you expect your car to ride what? Smooth. Good. I bought some new tires for my truck a while back. And before I got them, I was said, I'm going to get me some bigger tires. I want me some all-terrain. And I said, what are you doing to that truck? I, I heard Richard said, them big tires will ruin your truck. And I said, I ain't getting them that big. I asked Richard, Big John saying, don't just get bigger tires. Let me put a leveling kit in it. Diane said, what's a leveling kit? Oh, John's going to make it look better. Is it going to ride all right? You're not going to ruin that new truck, are you? No. So, man, I went and he put a leveling kit on it. I went and got my new tires. And on the way home, it felt like, man, well, these are all terrains. They're not going to ride as good as street tires. But I never went nowhere for two days but from the church to here. And then we had to go to Mississippi. And I had her and my mama in the back and Roy, my stepdad, in the front. And they put these BBs in it. And I asked him when I watched him balance them. I said, man, you didn't put it on that balancer. He says, no, I put BBs in it. These will balance, self-balance. So he put them on there. And I noticed it wasn't riding good. I got on the interstate, and I was like, it would be riding real good for a little while. And then all of a sudden, I mean, your water would be. And I'm like, Diane said, what is wrong with this truck? 
you ruined this truck. My mom was like, these tires are, something's wrong with them. Where did you buy them? You need to go back. She's ready to go confront them. And I'm like, I said, look, we got it. We had to go all the way to Mississippi and all the way back. And all I heard was, he has ruined this new truck. And I'm not even telling her how much more gas it's burning. So I get home. I called the guy up. He said, oh, no, them BBs, they balance. They balance well. I said, well, mine ain't balanced. He said, bring it to me. I drive your truck, and I check it out. And if there's something wrong, I fix it. So on the way there, I put a bottle of water in my thing. And if you did the right speed, I could have created a mixed drink. I could have shook up some Kool-Aid in it. It was shaking, so I videoed it. So when I get there, I said, I just took this on the way here. And this is what the water's doing in my console. He, ooh, I fix. He calls me back, truck fixed. It was bad out of balance. I said, I don't want no BBs. I want weights. I want to be able to see them on my rim. I want you to spin it on that machine. I want old school balance. I don't want them BBs. He had to take them off, get the BBs out. He bounced. I got in my truck now. Rides good, don't it? Friends, that's how some of our lives are. You got things in the wrong place. You got BBs and you don't need BBs. You need weights. You need truth and not all love. And some of you need more love and let go of the truth a little bit. Amen. Quit condemning everybody. Quit judging everybody. And the rest of you need to understand you go, yeah, I love everybody, but if I love somebody and they're doing something that's going to send them to hell, I don't love them if I don't tell them in love. And also, you've got to have faith, but you've got to have works. Do you know how hard it is to find somebody that wants to work in a Baptist church today? I mean, it's a miracle when someone says, what could we do? We want to work around here. I'm like... Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I found one finally. Friends, listen. Work is a part of being saved. If we're going to win people to Jesus. And then you got these ones that aggravate you even more. They're so spiritual. They got faith. They talk all this talk. Man, they, they, they just are in the third heaven. But they're so far into the spiritual realm that they are no longer any use down here to the physical realm. But those are very few. Because I'm convinced there's a lot more that are so consumed with the physical realm that they are no longer any use to the spiritual. Because, see, you've got to have a balance. You've got to be equally in love with here and there. With the kingdom. But our balance is gone. Friends, I'm talking about me in my life. And friends, if you don't ever read your Bible, you'll never be a spiritual, healthy Christian. You'll always never be able to do nothing. You'll always be knowing something's lacking. And if you just come to church and you never serve and you never give, there's no works in your life. Now, I'm not talking about just praying and reading the Bible and serving the Lord and giving, but giving back, getting involved in ministry, you're not going to grow. Your faith is going to get to a point and stop. And if you're all truth but no love, you're going to become legalistic. And if you're all love and no truth, you're going to become liberal. 
So guys, I want you to look at this and I'm going to say a prayer and we're going to have an invitation. We must balance the different elements of our salvation. The different elements like faith and works and repentance and the gospel and truth and love. We must balance them in the correct proportions if you want to have a spiritual healthy life. And, and I sit around and listen and watch. And guys, I know about being physically unhealthy, and I can tell you why I'm unhealthy. I eat bluebell ice cream or chocolate chip cookies every night before I go to bed. And she keeps buying them. Last night, I wasn't thinking about it because I was studying. Would you like some chocolate chips before you go to bed? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Man, as soon as I smelt them in the oven, whoo, I forgot about this sermon for about 30 minutes. See, what you do, what you partake of, has a lot to do with who you are. I'm fat. I'm unhealthy because I don't eat right. I'm not bragging, just being honest. But I'm going to tell you something else. That same principle is true to you. If you're not rightly balancing the different elements that are needed to be spiritually healthy, you'll never be healthy. You'll remain spiritually immature, spiritually unable, and you'll be always dependent on somebody else to take care of you with spiritual things. Today, the good news is repentance is a gift of God. He says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. All you got to do is confess, say, Lord, I have some things in my life I need to change. And do it. And ask God to help you do it. Faith, Lord, I can't do it without you. I don't know about y'all, but this really is not a sermon I liked. Sermon I need. It's a sermon I think that nails the trouble with the church in America on the head. And us. But what are we going to do about it? You see, the honest truth is, as long as I love chocolate chips and bluebell ice cream more than physical health, I'm going to get more physical unhealthy. Now that's stupid, ain't it? But what's more stupid is as long as you never read the Bible, as long as you never pray, as long as you never put works to your faith, as long as you don't love God enough to stand up for God's truth, you're going to remain spiritually unhealthy. Which one has the greater cost? If I die of a heart attack tomorrow, praise God, I'm going to heaven full. <laughs> I ain't going hungry. They said, that man's crazy. God's going to strike him down. He might, but I'm still going to heaven. If you're spiritually unhealthy and you ain't saved, you ain't repentant, you ain't put trust in Jesus, you ain't been born again, that's fatal. You're not going to ever have spiritual life. It's costing you all kinds of things. I can't do some of the things I used to do. I blame it on age. But a lot of it might be because I don't exercise and I'm fat. But there's a lot of things you can't do in the church anymore. We can't witness. We can't pray. Don't call on me to pray. I can't pray out loud. Don't call on me. I can't witness. I can't serve. I can't do nothing that. I can't give. I, I'm not rich enough to give. God's not asking you to give what you don't have, but he asked, asked us to give what you do have a portion of. You see, it's all in what you're willing to do to be healthy, to be balanced.
I'm telling you the truth today. God has so much more for your life than what you've probably been having. And he has much more for me. And I know now I'm going to have to probably go on a diet when my mama watches this sermon. But all kidding aside, I do need to go on a diet. Pray for me. I just have been neglecting doing it. But right now, I want you to come and say, Lord, I want to be on the spiritual diet. If you've never been saved, I'm going to invite you today to come. Put faith in Jesus. Trust. Change your ways of thinking. Repent, and he'll save you. Come and let works be applied to your faith. Maybe he wants you to join a church. You've never had a church home. Maybe he wants you to commit to a ministry. We need nursery workers. We need student help. We need all types of things to serve the church. And when you serve the church, you grow as a Christian. And then also truth and love. If we don't stand up for the truth, the country we love is going to be gone. But if we have to stand up for the truth with the spirit of love. And it's a balance that only the spirit of God in us can create. And if the spirit is in you, he's working in you right now telling you what you need to do. So I'm inviting you to stand. Don't sit in a pew. Don't do business as usual. Say, Lord, I'm going to take this and I'm going to put action into my faith. Father, I pray, and we're going to have a song right now. And Lord, this is not hard to understand, but it's difficult to accept. It's not hard to know what to do, but Lord, how hard it is to surrender into doing it. And Lord, I'm speaking into my life. Lord, I pray you'll help me to grow in my faith that you'll produce repentance, genuine fruits of repentance in my life, in the areas, Lord, that are in disagreement with you, that hinder you. And help me, Lord, to be more about serving you, sacrificially giving my life for your life. And Lord, help us to be protectors of truth, but promoters of love. Help us every day to rightly represent you as spiritually healthy, mature children of God who reflect the the life of Christ because we've been transformed and we are no longer conformed to the world but we have experienced the renewing of our minds so that we might prove your good and perfect and acceptable will in our life. Lord, help us to do that today. Show us our needs and lead us to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? If you need to come, I invite you to come.